is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Ladies and gentlemen, it's true. When you want to get a lot of shit done, and you've only got a very limited amount of resources and time, you've got to do it in montage form. Welcome to the new TNN podcast feed. This is Ringman, and my name is Johnny C. Now, we are dangerously close, well, to the end of WrestleMania season. And I'm not one to let this opportunity go without at least one more WrestleMania-based presentation. And I have to admit, I've saved maybe my favorite for last. Now, I don't know if it's the most original thing I'm going to ever do, but as a, as a person who really appreciates the production values and the filmmaking techniques that have been used by the WWF WWE throughout its long and distinguished tenure, um, I think this one is going to hit right at home for me, and I hope it does for you too. I really do. Because just to sort of put a bow on everything we've done for WrestleMania, you know, we talked about the opening 10 minutes of WrestleMania 1, which was so much fun. That executioner, he's a he's a hoot. We talked about the ultimate challenge in great detail. Uh, We did the best WrestleMania card we could muster. We did the worst WrestleMania card we could muster. Uh, We talked about and crowned the very first Lieutenant WrestleMania. You know, everybody has their opinions on who's Mr. WrestleMania. But WrestleMania is not a one-person gig. Lots of people contributed to its history, and we looked to determine who is Lieutenant WrestleMania based on a very specific set of criteria. And we also tier-ranked the WrestleMania matches of Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, and some other guy from Canada whose name I can't remember at the moment. But that's okay. So what we're going to do here, as the opening theme song may have spoiled for you, we're going to create a WrestleMania montage. Now, I'm not going to explain what a montage is. I'm assuming you're aware of what it is. Okay, I guess I'll explain it just in case anybody doesn't know what it is. It's like a pack. In this particular scenario, uh, montage is not a package video. But in this particular example, we're going to create a video package of WrestleMania highlights. And what we're going to try to do is capture the spirit of WrestleMania with specific shots from WrestleMania history. A shot being like a camera shot, not SHOT! You know, I'm getting drunk sort of thing. And shot not being a double leg takedown by a Kurt Angle, a Ronda Rousey, or to a lesser extent, uh, a Chad Gable. Okay? Uh, We want to create something that really gives us the breadth and scope of WrestleMania with trying to put equal focus 
on the moments, the individuals, the celebrities, the spectacle, trying to really pay homage to the entire history of WrestleMania. And to do that, to make sure that we're paying the appropriate amount of attention to everything, we're going to do this bad boy with a set of rules. Not a ton of them, but in order to make sure that you know we don't just show a picture of Hulk Hogan from every WrestleMania he's at, again, he's not the greatest human in the world, but let, you cannot deny the you know the spot that he occupies in the, the world of you know especially early WrestleManias. So in this particular game of ours, the first rule is you could only use a wrestler once, just like we did on the WrestleMania all-time cards. But there's a little bit of a caveat here, okay? In order to be considered being used, okay, the wrestler must be the focal point of the action. This is the best example I could think of without spoiling an actual moment from the actual montage that I've selected. So at WrestleMania 2000, you've got that match between like Benoit and Jericho and Angle. I guess it's irrelevant, but uh, so let's say that I I don't even know if this happens in the match. Let's say like Angle went to the top and did like the greatest Angle salt in the history of anything. Okay, and it just so happens that as he lands, he's landing on Chris Jericho. All right, because that's who he was in the ring with at the time. That shot would eliminate Angle from being used in the future. But it would not eliminate Jericho because Jericho is just laying on the mat taking a move. It could honestly be anybody. Now, I know that they're WrestleMania opponents and that means something. But, you know, that's sort of the criteria that I use. I don't think I really broke it too many times. I know I broke it once and God damn was I painted into a fucking corner and I had to break it because there is one WrestleMania here that's surprisingly devoid of any memorable moments in my head. Like this, I'm not going to say that this was easy, but I, you know, knowing that I wanted to do this and knowing that I was something I was looking forward to, I had a lot of preconceived shots in my head, and I had to work around them, just like I did on my good and bad cards. And there's one mania where I was like, I have no fucking idea what I'm going to pick. Like zero fucking clue. Uh, And it was not the mania that I would have expected. It was a mania from the more modern era, but not as modern as I thought. But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, The other particular caveat that I had is I didn't want to do anything that was like considered a back-to-back, okay? And the real big caveat here is and what I really boiled it down to is like, I don't want to do back-to-back like, oh, I don't know. Let's say Jinder Mahal won his first title at Mania 30-whatever, and then Kofi Kingston won his at the next one. I didn't want to transition like right from Jinder winning the gold and lifting the belt to Kofi lifting the belt for the first time. You know, there are multiple belt lifts and poses with the championship in this montage, but I'm pretty sure none of them are back to back okay and that was again just sort of the most important thing for me because I wanted you know I wanted this uh I wanted there to be some some differential in the shots okay now I know there's that 
God, and WWF has put together so many amazing montages and video packages. One of my favorite being the Lonely Road of Faith Desire one. And that actually, you know, they do that exact technique in that video. And I think they do it amazingly. You know, you've got the transition of like Macho Man spinning in the ring, like posing to Sean doing the same thing, to Angle doing the same thing. And that's a beautiful thing. But that's cross-generational. You know, and mine is sequential. My montage is sequential in nature, okay? So it goes from one to two to three to four. So I couldn't do like a generational thing of Hogan holding the belt and then a person from the new gen and then a person from Attitude, a person from Ruthless, a person from Modern. Like, it's not a cross-generational video package. It is sequential. So I wanted to avoid that specific trope, okay? Last thing. As I just mentioned, Lonely Road of Faith, the song, that song is whatever, and I'm not saying I like love it. Um, the Creed, My Sacrifice, yes, insert Creed joke here, but holy shit, I mean, wow, what a, what a tune to go with the imagery. You know, My Sacrifice is kind of a joke, but when you put it together with the imagery from the Desire video, it's a fucking one-two punch. So I had to pick a song that was related to WrestleMania to go with this montage, obviously, to play in the background. And it had to be a song that was used at WrestleMania. Awesome choices, okay? My Way, Crack Addict, Superstar. I think Superstar is so underrated as a WrestleMania theme. And it's not because I was at 18, because honestly, when they sang it live, I was like, all right, can we get to the next match? But I love the song Superstar and its correlation with Hogan and Rock. Cover me and greet a new planet to see when you fed my ego. Like, you know, and there's more and there's less. There's plenty of lyrics that don't go with it. But the same way that my way goes with Austin and Rock. I need it, Rock. I need it more than you can ever imagine. This I feel the same way about Superstar. But there's one tune from Mania's history that wasn't the main theme of WrestleMania. It was like one of the WrestleMania sub-themes that I feel goes with a montage of this nature. And I'm pretty sure it's from 22. Might be where they use it. And they they use it sparingly, and it's in the opening. I'm sure they've used it other times. But it's a song called I Dare You, and it's by Shinedown. And that's the song that's going to be set to this montage. Let me introduce you to the characters. And the show, one says yes, one says no. How dare you to tell me who walked through fire? Let my heart while you here. You know, that song that sounds just like that. That's what is going to be the apex of this montage. So that's it. Those are the rules. It's time to play the game. And let's start where it all began for the first time at WrestleMania 1. This was a tough one. Because when it comes to the WrestleMania 1 shot selection, there are so many important moments to consider. I thought about Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter dancing. I thought about Hogan crossing himself with Mr. T walking by Vince in the hallowed halls of Madison Square Garden. If I had no rules carte blanche and could do anything I wanted to for this exercise, that shot would absolutely maybe even be the very first shot. But that's something you got to consider. 
And of course, you know, this isn't like a point-for-point point thing. I'm sure there would have to be some sort of intro to the montage before they start showing things. But assuming that the opening shot that I select would be the opening shot of the montage, it has to set the scene, okay? You can't just show Batman punching the Joker in the first shot. You should probably, like, establish Gotham City or, you know, maybe a title card. You know, something, something. And that title card is exactly what I've selected. Having freshly watched WrestleMania, once the Easy Lover introduction concludes... We cut to a wide shot of Madison Square Garden and the very archaic 1985 font is on screen and it says live WrestleMania Madison Square Garden, New York City. I'm sure you've seen it before, okay? That is the shot from WrestleMania 1 that has been selected. It's the opening shot. It's the beginning of everything, you know. Yes, the opening shot of Star Wars Episode Four is space, and it says Star Wars, and then the scroll happens. But then they pan down, and that iconic shot of the Star Destroyer and the Tanta Four above Tatooine. I mean, that's what you know. People think it's people say, "Well, that's the beginning of Star Wars." Well, this is the beginning of WrestleMania. Just that shot of the dimly, and I love the contrast here too. Because we start with, and even though it's Madison Square Garden, which deserves a lot of props and respect, it's very poorly lit, and the typeface and font is so old, and, well, I love it, you know, it's it's retro at this point, and it's cool, but, you know, comparing it to the bombastic presentation that you see in today's modern product, and the slickness, and the overproduced value, this is just perfect. It makes WrestleMania seem humble. If that's even a fucking thing. Because it's not a real thing. It's not something you could tangibly hold. And it doesn't have emotion. Uh, well, it does, but it's not a living thing that, that has thoughts and feelings. Well, wait a minute. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm WrestleMania. No, that, that's off track. So that's the opening shot from WrestleMania 1. Then we got to transition to a moment from WrestleMania 2. Now, unfortunately, with WrestleMania 1, we had to set the scene. And we lost iconic shots. You know, I thought about Muhammad Ali lifting his fist. The Rockettes with Liberace in the kicks. Not to mention any shots of actual in-ring competition. Okay. Um, but I couldn't get the celebrities, which is such a big part of, of WrestleMania becoming something. So we cut right from WrestleMania to a, or the opening WrestleMania shot to a shot of Ray Charles Kind of. It's an iconic shot. He's kind of swaying back and forth. He's got a big smile on his face, and he's singing America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 2. Probably the best musical performance at a WrestleMania in terms of, like, musicality. Ray Charles wins musicality. I, I know musicality is not a word. I think I just invented it. But it sets the tone for... And it works in conjunction with this sort of... We're establishing what WrestleMania is. WrestleMania begins... And then it has an America the Beautiful performance 9 out of 10 times, unless we're in Canada or in Boston. Oh, America, I want to be free! God love the DX band. But we haven't got to wrestling yet. And that's when we pivot to WrestleMania 3. And yes, of course, it's blaringly obvious, and it immediately cashes in my Hulk Hogan check. And it actually cashes in my Andre the Giant check, too. Uh, and I don't want to skip ahead, but skipping... Well, just briefly talking about WrestleMania 4. 
I really wanted to do Andre choking Bob Euchre. I love that shot. It's amazing. It's classic. It gives me all the feels, and I absolutely love it. However, based on my selection for WrestleMania 3, I felt that, and it's Hogan slamming Andre, the classic shot that opens the WWE signature. You've seen it a trillion times. And I know that based on my rule, that should only use up Hogan. Kurt Angle moonsaulting Chris Jericho being the example I gave. That's a Kurt Angle moment. This body slam is equal parts Hogan and Andre. If Hogan was body slamming, even dare I say Earthquake, a man I respect and don't want to throw shade at, it would not mean as much. So this does, much like the WrestleMania 4 quarterfinal match, this eliminates Hogan and Andre from WrestleMania montage competition. But if you don't pick this shot, why are you even putting together a montage in the first place, I would argue? After that thrilling spectacle of a moment, we come to WrestleMania 4, a show that is somewhat devoid of those types of moments, in my opinion. Now, I wanted to, my initial thought was, I wanted to get Robin Leach coming down the aisle with the WWF title, uh, because... You know, it's the first time the Winged Eagle title appears at Mania, and also it sort of symbolizes the tournament. But we've been too wrestling adjacent, okay? Like we've had, I mean, you know what we've had. I'm not going to recap. You've only had fucking three of them. You can't follow along. You need more help than I can offer. So I want a wrestler, and I can't use probably the big moment of WrestleMania 4 because i got to use one of those folks later. So what I've decided is, uh, there's a pretty iconic shot of the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase walking down the aisle with his posse. And yes, Andre the Giant can be seen somewhat, but if you move the shot around, you know, it doesn't matter. Andre can be in the background of the shot. Ted's walking down the steps with the huge WrestleMania 4 banner, Trump Plaza, Atlantic City, coming down those steps. And that that captures the uniqueness of WrestleMania Four, because it's at a very unique location. The steps for the entrance is insanely unique, and it makes me feel, uh, you know, it makes me think of the tournament. It really does. Plus, Ted, the biggest heel in the company at the time, uh, he never really had a moment, so this is his moment to shine. A nice, beautiful shot of Ted walking down the steps. WrestleMania Five. Already used Hogan. And, you know, again, this is a perfect example of how I want to illustrate and use my montage to show there's more than just the main event at WrestleMania, okay? When you think about WrestleMania five, there are only, well, a few things that come to mind. I thought about using, I thought about trying to, like, tribute Owen and get him, like, backflipping off the top turnbuckle, but I considered it bad form because he's in the blue blazer costume. And I hope that makes sense. And that's it. Not not making jokes. I'm just, that's how I felt. And then I thought more about five. And I was thinking, well, if I can't do the mega powers exploding, what is something else that happens with a legendary duo at WrestleMania five? Well, the mega powers weren't the only one to explode at WrestleMania five. Strike force exploded as well. When Tito Santana was like, Arriba! And Rick Martel was like, you're a blur loser, Tito Santana. You're a loser. Unfortunately, this would end the the amazing reign of Oh, girls in costumes. As a theme song to be used in the annals of the WWF. 
But in the Strike Force versus Brain Busters match, the moment that is the straw that breaks the camel's back that causes the Strike Force breakup is pretty well done from a shot composition. Near the Strike Force corner, Rick Martell is tagged in, and he's sort of standing behind Arn Anderson. And Tito goes for a flying forearm. He bounces off the ropes and then does the flying forearm. Arn Anderson, the consummate professional, and this gets him in the montage, dodges at the very last second. The va- I mean, there was no time, okay? And, of course, Tito collides with Model, or not Model, with Martel, and Martel flies out of the ring. It's glorious. And then... I figured, and it's a little cheat here, but we'd show the flight forearm impact, which would take like half a second, and then we'd just cut to Martel in the aisle, throwing his hands in the air like, I'm leaving, you're a loser. But you know, and it's a little bit of a cheat, but it gets the story across. Okay, it gets the story of what we're trying to tell. Accidental hit, strike force breaks up. And that's, you know, that's a nice sub mid-card story for WrestleMania Five. Is it perfect, and would it ever make a real montage? Probably not, but that's that's too bad. You know, because Mania is moments, and this is, you know, God, they, they the, Matt Hardy's having his WrestleMania moment. Or fucking Matt Stryker commentary. He's trying to get his WrestleMania moment. I don't have a fucking Matt Stryker impression. If you have a Matt Stryker impression, too bad for you, because that means you've listened to Matt Stryker talk for longer than I have. You know, but they, they the commentators at Mania are like, WrestleMania moment, he's making his WrestleMania moment. This is a WrestleMania moment. And nobody called it a WrestleMania moment, which makes it a WrestleMania moment. Well, speaking of WrestleMania moments, damn it, I'm using it like they use it. WrestleMania 6, there are many shots to choose from. And I went back and forth. Um... My my initial thought was, and it's probably because I just watched the Ultimate Challenge. I wanted to do the shot of where they they run behind the Ultimate Warrior when he runs down the aisle wearing the Intercontinental title because it's a classic shot that looks great. But I felt like that didn't symbolize the the massive uh, uh, change in the wins that was WrestleMania Six. At least we thought it was at the time. So I'm going with the iconic shot of Warrior standing. Uh, center ring with the two belts uh, hoisted with no makeup on with the spray pyro going behind him. I believe it was the same shot that's on the cover of the WrestleMania 6 WWF magazine, uh, which was an amazing magazine to pull out of that mailbox as a youngster. I was like, wow, he looks like a god. And Vince McMahon back in Connecticut was like, yes, well, look at the warrior. He looks like a god. Of course he is. He's a unique god, a unique blend of sports entertainment-based deities. He's the ultimate warrior. But that symbolizes warrior winning the ultimate challenge, but holding all the gold. And just really such a huge... I mean, look, it didn't end up being a th- like, like a huge thing. At the, In the moment, though, and in the annals of WrestleMania, it doesn't get much bigger than the Ultimate Challenge and the Warrior holding both belts, signifying that he's the winner, wearing the scars of battle, a.k.a. no paint. What more can you ask for? I'll tell you what more you can ask for. It's WrestleMania 7. And Henry Winkler's wearing himself a hell of a sweater. And he says, oh, I'm so happy the Ultimate Warrior got this ultimate win. And then Chuck Norris is like, ah, oh, it's great. I love these guys. And Lou Fregno's like, I love the Hulk. And then Donald Trump's like, yes, look at the people that you've surrounded me with. 
And then Regis Philman interviews Tenru and Katal, and he says, "You Tenru, you Katal." And Alex Trebek is <laughs> Alex Trebek. I just remembered getting measured for the casket by the, the Undertaker and Paul Bear. He does he say something really punny like, "Well, back to you, Marla. I feel like I'm in final jeopardy." <laughs> And, of course, you've got the legendary instant replay debate between George Steinbrenner and the fucking other guy. What a butthead. Inconclusive! Inconclusive, my eye! But it's WrestleMania 7, and there can only be one shot that encapsulates the moment. The shot of Elizabeth wearing that sparkly star blouse, tears in her eyes! Yes, it's the shot of Elizabeth weeping, holding her hand to her mouth, and then she lets her guard down, and she walks towards and embraces the Macho King Randy Savage. Center ring. And you know what? If the producer's feeling nice and they give us just a couple of extra seconds to capture this moment, I'm going to include the curly-haired, red-headed girl in a dress that's way too nice for WrestleMania that's crying, and I'm also cutting to the kid who's in a raincoat. Did he know that he was about to be covered in tears? What's with the raincoat? I have to know. If anybody knows the raincoat kid from WrestleMania 7, if you are the raincoat kid and somehow you're listening to this show, who are you? What's with the raincoat? But, you know, the, the shots of the crowd tearing up. It's beautiful. It's like the uh, the streak is over guy at WrestleMania 30, you know. These are iconic, or Miz Girl, even though that wasn't at WrestleMania. You know, these are iconic fan reactions. Um, but if I only have one shot, then of course I'm getting the shot of them hugging center ring, coming together after Macho King's like, Wait, uh, what's going on? Did Cherry hit me? I'm not quite sure what's happening. I, all I know is I got pinned by the Ultimate Warrior, and then I got kicked by a lady. I could tell it was a lady, because I get kicked by ladies for fun. And th- But this one wasn't very fun, but it did feel like a lady kick. Hey, people at ringside, was it her? Was it, Liz- was it Elizabeth? I don't know. She doesn't kick that hard. She's kicked me many times for the pleasure, but this was for the pain. It had to have been Sherry, so Miss Elizabeth, let's hug. Oh, yeah, dig it. I mean, it's a great fucking moment. It is the WrestleMania moment, in my opinion. WrestleMania 8. Tough one. A lot of the superstars that have the most iconic moments I've used, and individuals I haven't used, I had to use later. And then there's one individual that did not make the list. There's an individual sports entertainer from WWF History Post that I make a lot of fun of, but I could not get him on the list. I'm sorry, Brett. I thought about doing the kickflip pin, but I didn't. WrestleMania 8 has another performance by a legendary man. A man who once had a tear in his eye. However, at WrestleMania 8, there are no tears in his eyes, just the proverbial crimson mask. And after Ric Flair loses to the Macho Man Randy Savage, he's in the back at the payphone location cutting a promo. And he he has the blood and he's calm. And he says, You see what we have right now? There's a man who's going to claim to be, who's going to walk around town tonight, claiming to be 
the heavyweight champion of the world. But there's this real iconic shot of Rick covered in blood yelling at the camera that comes from WrestleMania 8. And that is what I want. I can't get Rick's other iconic WrestleMania moment on here because, well, I can't. Because I got to use people elsewhere. But this was a... and And I thought, yes, Bret Hart is more important to the WrestleMania narrative than Ric Flair. But then I thought, this is my montage. So I'm using Ric Flair covered in blood screaming at the camera from WrestleMania 8. WrestleMania 9? Another dark horse pick. I'd put this along with my WrestleMania 5 choice. I am going with the moment where the two doinks look at each other and mirror image one another and then look at the camera and are like, yeah. And of course, real doink has little makeup and fake doink has full makeup. Why? Well, WrestleMania 9 doesn't offer a lot. Um, you know, you could do The Undertaker and his Raven, but, you know, I got to use a taker later. Um, uh, you could use Narcissus with the thonged, the thonged women. Or you could use JR in the toga, actually, with the big, his big, bright, shining smile. That's the first time that I hear a story from Oklahoma is ever wearing a toga. I get used to this. Look at these fancy shoes. I don't know. That was not a JR person. I don't know who that was. Uh, but I am going with the two doinks. I think it's a sweet fucking moment. I love heel doink. And it really, you know, the way the shot composition works there, you get a kind of a, the columns are sort of in the back. Like, you get a feel for the WrestleMania 9 stadium. And uh, it it just adds to the uniqueness, you know? I feel like it's a good encapsulization of what was different about WrestleMania 9, but in a good way. Sure, he wrestled Crush. I almost called him Crunch. (laughs) But uh, that's a pretty iconic fucking moment. And I love doink. And, uh... Yeah, yeah. No Caesar, no Cleopatra, no elephants, no Vestal Virgins, just Dos Doinks. Or Duh Doinks. Dos Doinks. Zwei Doinks. Eins, zwei, drei. Yeah, eins, zwei, drei. Yeah, zwei. Zwei, eins, zwei. Zwei Doinks. Wow, I need to get a life. And you know, if I ever do get a life, then that life should probably have some sort of a mission or a goal? Hmm. Oh, you know what? I've got it. The mission is the titles, and we will win, because now it's time to talk about WrestleMania 10. Yes, WrestleMania 10. Montage moment. Uh, probably pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the classic shot of the heartbreak kid Jack jumping off the ladder to splash Razor Ramon. Not the first ladder match in history, first ladder match in my history, but uh, it really set the precedent for spectacle-based matches at WrestleMania. Um, I I don't know if I can back up that claim, but, you know, specialty matches uh, were normally kept pretty tame at Mania, and then 10 had the falls count anywhere and the ladder match. A little preview of attitude, maybe? Get out, Shane! Get over here! I know you're still in college. Uh, Yes, I said, get over here, like I'm Scorpion. Uh, I know, I heard it. I heard it because it's 1994. And you and Stephanie are always playing that Mortal Kombat. You know, that game's got a little bit of attitude. And WrestleMania 10's coming up. Maybe we should inject some attitude into that. Oh, my pops, that sounds like a master plan. Yeah, it's master plan, indeed. All right. Uh, WrestleMania 10. Yeah, I'm thinking it's the ladder match picture. I mean, it's a classic fucking moment. WrestleMania 11, a show with so many celebrities. Nick Totaro, 
Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jennifer McCarthy, and who else? Oh, Salt and Pepper, Lawrence Taylor, LT's all pro team. But there's one celebrity that isn't LT that really puts this mania on the marquee. And using this moment for the montage allows me to get one of my close personal friends, uh, Big Daddy Fool, film connoisseur Kevin Nash, on the montage. So we're, from WrestleMania 11, going to take the shot of Diesel in the aisleway, looking over and beckoning towards the entranceway, and out comes Pamela Anderson from Baywatch in her very tight white dress as the camera sort of zoom pans into her. I, I mean, you've seen this shot before. It's a classic shot. But this allows us to get Big Kev and Pamela Anderson to represent WrestleMania 11. You know, I mean, I was I was on the fence with this between that shot of Pam and Kev versus the shot of LT coming off the middle rope and hitting Bam Bam with his finisher. Uh, because I think LT Bam Bam is the story of WrestleMania 11. However... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to get more wrestlers, and I felt like Nash was worth more to me than Bam Bam, uh, even though Nash isn't wrestling. But showing the brand synergistic opportunities between Nash and Pamela Anderson and propping up the narrative of WrestleMania seemed to be more valuable to me. WrestleMania 12. Now, this is a bummer. Uh, you know, this hap- I feel like this happens a lot on WrestleMania-based games where you can only use a wrestler once. The WrestleMania 12 card is so tiny, as is the 11, but the 11, you know, seems to be easier because he got random people like the Blue Brothers and, the, I don't know, other people. But since 12's card is so small, you know, there are some fun moments. I already used the Warrior, though, and then, and this was a big one, you know, using Sean at 10 takes him away from 12 with the boyhood dream. You know the classic shot of Earl raising his hand? Because that's the story of WrestleMania 12. We've already used Big Daddy Cool. I don't want to use The Undertaker here. So what we've done is used a shot that allows us to express this sort of strange period of the WWF where WrestleMania wasn't as... Mark, I mean, it was. WrestleMania has always been marquee, but the new generation area of WrestleMania was always a little less marquee. It takes a little bit to get its grandeur back once they start taking it out of domes. And just the, the, the period of the time, it's, wrestling's just not as hot. But this time period features a very unique encounter at WrestleMania 12, the Hollywood Backlot Brawl, which allows us to get Rowdy Piper into this thing. And there's the... Well, <laughs> now I'm saying that, I'm thinking it's actually probably Rowdy Piper's stuntman. But the classic overhead shot of Goldust ramming the gold Cadillac into Piper and Piper landing on the hood. It's a pretty classic WrestleMania shot to me. And so maybe maybe we make it one of those classic like WrestleMania 5 where it's like two rapid fire shots. Maybe the shot of Piper uh, standing in front of the car like put smacking the baseball bat into his own hand. And then we quick smash cut real quick to him getting hit by the car. I think that's a fair, you know... Um, it's a fair middle ground to meet at. That way we get Piper and the memorable moment, which may or may not be Piper's stunt double. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Speaking of memorable moments, WrestleMania 13 Heat may not be the most memorable WrestleMania, 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little game. We're gonna play. We're it's gonna play. We're gonna play a game called "Are You an Idiot?" Okay. Now I'm about to tell you what shot I'm selecting for WrestleMania 13, and I'm gonna give you five seconds to guess it in your own head. If you guessed it, congratulations. You're of normal intelligence. If you don't guess it, congratulations. You're an idiot. Here we go. All right, yes. Congratulations, you are correct. It is the shot of the headbangers coming down the aisle. WrestleMania 14. No, it's Austin bleeding. Okay? With the blood trickling down his face and landing in his teeth. I mean, come on. And that, of course, uses a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which takes him away from WrestleMania 14 standing on the top turnbuckle with the Austin era has begun. But I think we all know Austin eventually became the WWF champion. And while that might be his crowning moment, the legacy he gave to us at WrestleMania... And that's and Hart Austin's probably, you know, technically speaking, the best Mania match of all time in terms of, like, stars or what have you. So this allows us to get Austin... Get an absolutely legendary moment and get just, you know, work rate, I suppose, if that matters in a montage. But I, I really think you can't tell the Austin story with... You could tell the Austin story without... The Austin era has begun, if you have to. Like, if, if it's between these two. If someone puts a gun to your head, which I've done metaphorically in this game, and says you can only pick one to tell the Austin story, the double turn, the respect moment, is the most important. Because without the respect moment, the title win doesn't mean as much. But we do have to have a shot for WrestleMania 14. Now, I I really wanted you gotta if you're not using Austin on here. And have I ever? I don't know if I've ever made this joke before. You know, the WrestleMania 14 is like DX rated, like that's the subtitle, and they've got the the picture of Austin and then Tyson in the middle and Michaels at the bottom. It should have been WrestleMania 14 ATM. Not only because it's Austin, Tyson, Michaels, but holy shit, Vince had to go to the ATM many, many times to withdraw the cash to get a Mike Tyson. Joke's actually not that funny. Probably why I've never said it. But Tyson has to be key here. And I felt like Tyson punching Michaels was cheating. You know, we've talked about how Hogan slamming Andre is a double moment. That that eliminates both of them. I feel like Austin, or Austin, Tyson punching Michaels. Austin, Tyson, Michaels, Tyson, Austin. It's so hard to talk about these three. Tyson punching Michaels is sort of a combo moment. So I rewatched uh, Mike Tyson's entrance for WrestleMania 14. <laughs> it's so funny because I love Mike Tyson's crotch chops, okay? Now, there's, there's a couple different ways you could crotch chop. There's like your standard suck it, like where you where you actually point at your dick if you have one. And it doesn't matter if you do or not. You can always do a cross chop, but you don't make an X. Your hands are you know parallel to one another around the crotchal region. And then there's you can do the same thing, but there's an X over your crotchal region. Okay, but the X is wrist over wrist. Everybody get it? Now, Mike Tyson does the X variant, but instead of wrist over wrist, he does elbow over elbow and, like, crotch chops his entire torso and his dick. Mike Tyson's crotch chops are amazing. Like, there should be a course for college credit 
That's all this, the study of the Tyson crotch chop. What does it mean for humanity? What does it mean for the psyche of a Mike Tyson? But Tyson does these hilarious crotch chops a lot during his entrance. Big problem, though. Old Iron Mike doesn't know where the hard cam is. So a majority of the time, he's full elbow crotch chopping against the camera. There is a moment where he briefly turns around and does those crotch chops facing the camera. So, the shot from WrestleMania 14 is going to be the few moments where Tyson is facing the camera doing his full body crotch chops. WrestleMania 15, the raging climax. Not even halfway. Um, It's funny because this sort of bleeds from WrestleMania 14. WrestleMania has the opportunity to tell stories. Long form stories. Well, we tell long form stories, damn it. That's what we do here at WrestleMania. And one of the greatest long-form stories is the trilogy of 14, 15, 16, The Ballad of Petey Rose. Fitting, as I believe today is opening day for baseball in the United States of America. I'm loving the pitch clock. Watched a lot of spring training. Join the pitch clock. Let's go Halos. That's all I'll say about baseball. Anywho, you probably already know what we're doing. I want the moment where the San Diego-based chicken is unmasked by the big red machine cane, and it's revealed that underneath the chicken mask is a gambling addict, Peter Rose. You know, Pete Rose, how about it? You know, you got to get Pete Rose on here. That's an important part of WrestleMania. Now, WrestleMania 16, or 2000, uh, created a unique opportunity. I can't think of a lot of iconic shots per se. A lot of iconic camera shots from WrestleMania 2000. But as I was thinking about Mania, I remembered this book. So, right after WrestleMania 16 came out, there was a book like the the Mania of WrestleMania. I don't know if that's what it was called or not, but it was like a nice hardcover book. I think my brother had it. I didn't have it, but it was in my house. It was in my house! Damn it, Johnny C! WrestleMania books in your house! And on the cover of this book, since WrestleMania 2000 was the most recent WrestleMania, uh, it had legends. You know what? I, I, I am going to, on the air live, Google this book. Okay, probably should have done this ahead of time, but here I am. Uh, yes! Oh, wow, it's only 425 on thriftbooks.com. Holy shit, the official Insider's WrestleMania book, I think is what it's called. I might have to buy this. The official insight. It's got Undertaker, Andre, Austin, and Rock. Well, you can tell when they made this book. It's written by Basil DeVito. Uh, it's hilarious because it's like, nah, no one from WCW is going to be on this book cover. Uh, we're still ignoring Hogan and all that. But there's a really iconic shot of Triple H wearing the gold, walking towards the ring with Steph behind him, and she's got the women's title draped over her shoulder. I want to take this shot from when it happens at WrestleMania 2000, because it's at WrestleMania 2000, because Steph's wearing the shiny pink thing that where The Rock touches her bosoms. It happened. Don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. Uh, I want to take that shot, and I want to add it to this montage. Look, regardless of how you feel about Triple H and Steph, I think that's sort of an old hat. Can we all agree at this point that Triple H and Stephanie, as individual people, clearly want what's best for the WWE, like, as a shoot, Okay. Like, they're keeping this thing afloat. They're, they're you know, they're decent humans when it comes to the wrestling business uh, as executives. But they ha- they cast such a shadow over this company's history. 
And when they're performers, here they are at the height of their power, the McMahon-Helmsley regime, faction, whatever you want to call it, and they both have championship belts. It's just too much. There's too much brand synergy here to ignore it. And not getting trips on here would kind of be a bummer. Um, I, you know, trying to get everybody that I can that's important to this thing, uh, except Brett, of course. Um, so that's the shot that I'm taking. WrestleMania 17 to the surprise of absolutely no one, since we've used Austin, of course, is the shot of Edge spearing. Uh, show me the money, Matt Hardy. It's actually Jeff Hardy off of the belt loop. Yeah, the belt loop. You know, off the ladder. I mean, it's the ladder spear from 17 where they sort of, boom. I mean, come on. You, you know what I'm talking about. It, it doesn't need any more explaining. WrestleMania 18. I really wanted to use the stare down of icons, but I can't because I've used Hogan. And I think that's rightfully so that Hogan and Andre have been used. But I do want to see rock, rock bottoming Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And that's okay because we're allowing it. It's my show, my rules. You could argue that that moment's just as impactful because it's rock and Hogan. But since it's Hollywood Hogan, it's a little different. Sure, why not? And The Rock's a celebrity, so, yeah. All you North-South fans out here who've migrated over, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I, I just, look, I don't want a shot of Jericho lifting two belts, because that doesn't mean anything to WrestleMania. But The Rock doing a rock bottom at WrestleMania 18 to someone wearing black pants with white trim, wearing black with white trim, the leader of Hollywood mania. You know, it just, it has to happen. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it. Speaking of having to happen and can't do anything about it, uh, we could play the same game we played with WrestleMania 13 about WrestleMania 19, but I'm only giving you three seconds. Here we go. Vince popping his head up over the apron with blood and the most evil, maniacal, Satan-based smile I've ever seen. I mean, this shot is up there for, like, arguing the top five shots in company history, let alone WrestleMania history. Vince, with the blood and the smile, it's just perfect. Like, I, I would love to, to interview the people involved with this shot. Uh, obviously, I don't think Vince, but, like, the producer, the camera person, uh, the director in the truck. I don't know if the director or the producer makes the call in the truck to cut to the you know, specific cameras at certain times. But I would just love to. Was it planned? Was it not planned? Was it organic? And I don't care if it's planned. Because every shot in a fucking movie is planned. And you're going to tell me the director doesn't have talent because they planned the shot? Go fist yourself. Um, Well, fist yourself in a painful way. If you like fisting, don't fist yourself. Punch yourself. Um, But I just, I don't know. Like, it's, it's pretty perfect. I don't really know what else I can say about it. And finishing up... This decade of manias here at WrestleMania 20 and our montage. I really debated. Well, first of all, it's my montage. So the fact that WWE would never include this shot, just get out of your brain. It's my montage. You know, life, life is a series of ups and downs. And sometimes you've got to have the sour with the sweet. Because if you don't, have the sour, you don't recognize the sweet. I don't remember what movie that's from, but I know I'm stealing that. WrestleMania 20 is the hug. With the camera facing Eddie and Eddie crying. So, he who must not be named 
you're only getting the back of his head. And the more important thing is Eddie is smiling, crying, happy, and emotional all at the same time on the grandest stage of them all while holding the WWE Championship. And it's important. Eddie deserves that. And I'm not taking it away from him because of Benoit. You can't do it. You know, that's punishing Eddie for Chris. And that's wrong. What's not wrong is moving on to the next decade. Well, the next decade of manias. We're not really in an, in, an, in a time-based decade. But uh, WrestleMania 21 gave us two new era-defining champions. But it also gave us the Money in the Bank ladder match. And while my instinct was to go with either Cena in the crowd holding the belt or Batista on the buckle with the pyro holding the world title. I'm going with the Money in the Bank ladder match. And you know what? Shelton Benjamin doesn't get enough respect for what he did in these acrobatic-based spectacles. And even though it might not be the most visually striking, to me it was always the best. The Shelton Benjamin ladder run clothesline is amazing. And so the WrestleMania 21 shot, you know, to sort of end our trilogy of ladder-based shots. You know, we've got the evolution. And this is cool because it shows the evolution of the spectacle ladder match at WrestleMania. The WrestleMania 10 splash that we've got is iconic. But, you know, as history and time moves on, it's not as spectacular in terms of a spectacle and athleticism. It's beautiful. I'm not critiquing it. I'm not throwing shade. I think you get what I'm going for here. And then at 17, we have the spear, which is, you know, more dangerous but more spectacular. And then here at 21, we have an athletic spectacle with the ladder run. I just, there's too much brand synergy here to ignore it. It's the story of the ladder match at WrestleMania. And sticking with hardcore-based WrestleMania attractions, you got to get Mick Foley on here. It's WrestleMania. Now, Mick hasn't had a ton of iconic moments at WrestleMania, but obviously getting speared through the table on fire is one of them, but that's also an edge moment. So while reviewing the WrestleMania 22 hardcore match, I've decided to include the shot of Foley right after he's pulled Barbie, the barbed wire baseball bat, uh, out from under the ring, and he holds it up and sort of looks at it euphorically like, he's in some sort of euphoric trance with that baseball bat and barbed wire king. Actually, it's Joey Styles on the call, JR. Joey, go fuck yourself. But uh, this gets Mick on here, and it does represent his hardcore match at WrestleMania 22. Um, obviously, you want to go for the fire spear, but I thought the ladder spear was a little more necessary for 17. Because, like, you know, I, there's only so many things I could do at 17. So I'm going with this. It gets Mick on here, and it, you know, it, it also you know, fills up the WrestleMania 22 slot. I'm okay with this. I'm proud of this, sure. Well, I don't know about proud, but it, the only reason I said proud is because it segues into the next montage shot that I am absolutely not proud of. But I told you life was the sour and the sweet. And, you know, ignoring history, and we talked about this at 20. Look, I'll just put it out there. I don't like Trump, okay? And that, and if you do, whatever. I'm not trying to start a fight, okay? I'm really not, and I don't want to. I'm so done with it. There's so much more in life to focus on. 
But I'm also, because I hate him, I can't ignore what he did as a box office attraction, as Bruce Pritchard would say, okay? Like, you can't ignore this moment in Mania's history. It's huge. It's important. It's bigly. It's a massive moment. So what I've decided to do to get Trump into the montage, but also satisfy my need to, to throw shade at the man, I'm taking the Trump spear moment, which is great because it's mostly the back of Trump's head, but also the facial reaction on Vince. And I know we used Vince at 19, but this is about Trump. This is about the battle of the billionaires concept. Uh, And Trump's mounted punches are hilarious. So if nothing else, like, it's funny. You know, it's not Trump in his nice big coat. I'm sure he's fucking hot. Uh, walking down the aisle with some lady on his arm waiting for Bobby Lindsay, okay? This is the spear moment, Vince's face, the shitty punches. But more importantly, it's 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 not so much showing Trump as a box office, like, draw. That would be the walking down the aisle. This is like, you know, even the celebrities that come to WrestleMania get involved with the fighting. And look, regardless of the person's politics, throwing a former president of the United States into your WrestleMania montage as an active combatant can't be a bad thing to promote your company. And that's what this montage is all about, promoting your own company. So how could you possibly ignore this? You can't. It wouldn't be right. Regardless of anything else, ignoring this wouldn't be right. I'm not going to ignore it. And so WrestleMania, because this Johnny C's WrestleMania montage, biggest montage, huge montage, best in history, Well, thank you, Mr. President, I suppose. More celebrities here on our WrestleMania journey. It's WrestleMania 24, and of course, the big show took on Floyd, Money, Mayweather. And that's cool, but, uh, you know, there is a pretty decent shot of, um, what's his name, Mayweather, punching Big Show in the face with the brass knucks attached to him to get the 1-2-3. I mean... It's the match finish. I guess it's somewhat iconic. Can't really use Rick or Sean, so this is what we're going with. And you know, I, I don't think it's a bad selection. I'm just not, it's just so obvious, you know, to me anyway. Now, WrestleMania 25. We've used Sean. We haven't used his dance partner yet. But we're not going to do it here at WrestleMania 25. There is one particular person we omitted from WrestleMania 21. Because I think that a big part of WrestleMania is not just who, where, and why, but also how. How do they enter the war zone? How do they enter the squared circle? How do they make their appearance known? WrestleMania 25, I don't necessarily think is like the most iconic WrestleMania entrance of all time for any superstar. But I have to admit, John Cena's WrestleMania 25 entrance is a hell of a visual, especially in montage format. If you don't remember, this is the one where, like, the army of John Cena clones, or the the false Slim Shadies came out, all dressed up wearing Cena's uh, HWA t-shirt. And doing the you can't see me movement like they're a bunch of fucking robots as Cena runs. Now, of course, 
John Cena has his favorite camera person, or his camera operator that he always talks to in the WWE. And this camera operator, Jim, Mike, Joey, whatever the fuck his name is, captured a tremendous shot of Cena running down the aisle through the cavern of clones from behind. And I think it's a pretty perfect shot. I really do. And this gets Cena. And you got to have Cena on here. Cena's that guy that I love to hate. And now I love to hate because I love. I probably said it before. Like, I would love. To, it's too bad. Like, I missed. I never got to see Cena live. It's probably too late. Um, I would have loved to have gone to Cena in the latter era and booed the shit out of him because I love him. Because he's really he really earned my respect. As performer, as person, blah, 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 blah. It's like I know the guy. I'm just saying, okay? Like, Cena's that guy I hated, and then hated, 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 and then loved to hate. Out of respect. So, John, congratulations. I feel like John is, is sort of a bridge between generations. He's sort of a peacemaker. Okay, that was lame. WrestleMania 26, it's finally time for the dead man. Um... It's real simple. It's real straightforward. The jumping tombstone. The anger look to the jump tombstone. If it's all one continuous shot, I'll include the angry look that he gives Sean before he does it. Uh, but the jumping tombstone, you know, H, uh, uh, Taker saving his streak against probably, arguably, his greatest challenge uh, from a booking standpoint up into this moment. Uh, was the heartbreak kid probably 25 because with the career on the line I think we all knew Sean was probably ready to go but uh, that jumping tombstone man holy shit it's just fucking awesome I came to play there's a price to pay tough of you to get that on your knees I came to play too bad this montage can't include a montage of its own. Who doesn't love the WrestleMania 27, you can hate me now, but I won't stop now, Miz montage. But you know what? You want to talk about earning respect? The Miz. And, you know, I'm not saying I agree with the wrestling world's perspective of like, oh, you're a piece of shit until you earn my respect, boy. You know, Mike Mizan and the Maven didn't respect the Undertaker. That's who this is talking. I don't know if you respect me, but I'm the big dog around here. I'll take you to wrestler's court. I'm getting Miz on here. He was the champ. He defended successfully at WrestleMania, and he burst through that awesome, inflatable, awesome. You know when he burst through the word awesome that's inflatable on the giant 27 stage? Congratulations, Mike. You bursting into the realm of awesomeness makes this awesome. Montage from 27. WrestleMania 28. Um, you know, can't reuse Rock. Can't use Cena. Sorry. Can't use any of the Hell of the Cell shenanigans. Fortune fam! I will say this. I was telling my son this the other day. I do think the WrestleMania 28 Hell in the Cell has the best streak fake-out near fall of all time. I mean, I'm not breaking new ground by saying this out loud. Did that rhyme? Uh, the super kick to uh pedigree combo i mean that's just that's that's got to be it right that's got to be the best streak near fall not that though just wanted to talk about it although it is a kick that makes the montage it's a bro kick it's sheamus bro kicking his opponent at wrestlemania uh because it plays in to the montage later we'll talk about it now i've been promising promising that there was a WrestleMania that caused me chaos, confusion, and just didn't know what the fuck to do. 
And I said it was a mania that surprised me. But ladies and gentlemen, we finally fucking arrived. And it's not really that big of a deal. I, I might have hyped it up too much. But Jesus Christ, did I have to search for something from WrestleMania 29. Like, a lot of these things I just knew going in, I had to fucking maybe rewatch the Mania to get the specific shot to make sure it existed in my head as it did in reality. But WrestleMania 29, I didn't even have an inkling of an idea of what the fuck to do. The only thing I even remember as a specific shot from WrestleMania 29 in terms of camera work was the shot of Taker uh, walking with the zombies grabbing at him, which is pretty cool. I think that's 29. But I I knew I was probably not going to use that for the Taker. I had to be something specifically streak-related from either 30 or one of the Michaels ones. You know, spoiler, I didn't use it for 30, obviously. Um, And yeah, I guess that's the thing I should say for 26. You know, it's not the streak ending, it's just the streak existing. You know, that's what makes the montage. But for 29, I had no idea. And I wasn't about to watch the entire fucking show to get this one little piece of information. So I did watch a YouTube edit of WrestleMania 29 moments. And there is a pretty sweet moment where Randy Orton is in a match and someone jumps off the top rope. It's really irrelevant who it is. It does happen to be Seth Franklin Rollins, but that's irrelevant because he's not... This moment doesn't depend on him being the one that takes it. But Franklin jumps off the top rope and... Orton RKO's him in midair, no-look style. It's pretty cool. And this gets Orton in the montage. And I couldn't use the RKO from 31, which we'll we'll talk about 31 here in just a second. I couldn't use it because I'm using something else. So this gets a pretty epic WrestleMania RKO in there. And you know, Orton's important in that that might have rhymed or just homonymed or sound like what I don't fucking know. It's late in the evening or day. Actually, it's not. I don't care. WrestleMania 29, the RKO from the no look RKO from the top rope. WrestleMania 30. It's too bad that 28 uh, and 30 didn't happen right next to each other because you could go from broke kick to this. But we'll have that RKO sandwich in the middle. WrestleMania 30 is absolutely Daniel Bryan standing on the announce table table doing the yes chant, holding both belts with the giant pyro and stage behind him. He's not a monster. He's the yes man. I really, I don't want to talk myself out of it, but I really think, I really wanted to, I, I really considered um, the moment where he gives Connor the belts, Connor the young boy, who of course is the inspiration for the Connor's Cure charity that WWE supports. Again, Hunter and Stephanie doing things that are right. I'm, it's in the signature, and that's it is beautiful, and I'm glad, and it should be, and it's and it's important, and because that's, you know, poor child, you know, didn't wrestling was everything to him, you know, and he didn't. Hmm, I don't want to get, I don't want to talk myself out of it. I'm just really happy that that existed for that kid and his family. But let's move on. WrestleMania 31. The epic sweeping shot of Seth Rollins holding the briefcase, running to the cash-in, and the camera whips behind him and sort of follows him. Shades of John Cena at WrestleMania 25. And that's all you need. You just need to see Seth Rollins running with the briefcase to know what it means. 
That is WrestleMania 31 in a nutshell. 31's a pretty fun one. That's a good one. I love, I mean, everybody, I'm not breaking new ground here, but that sprint, Shades of Charles Robinson at WrestleMania 24. Maybe I should have done that sprint where he's like, well, he's sprinting. What do you want from me? But that's a great camera shot. Speaking of great camera shots, WrestleMania 32. Finally, the women put their stamp onto history. Charlotte Flair moonsaulting off the top turnbuckle to the outside in the match. That, uh, I believe that was where they for, uh, finally got rid of the Divas and uh, old women's title and, and merged and created the WWE Women's Championship belt that uh, you know eventually would be broken into the Raw SmackDown. I think I'm getting my lineage right. But this is the one. The Sasha, Becky, Charlotte triple threat that that really solidified that the women were here and they were a division to take seriously. I mean, they, they were before, but now they got rid of that stupid, you know, the Divas title. They dropped the Divas thing, which, you know, I think was appropriate. So there you go. Um, plus, it gets Charlotte on here. She's, she's maybe the, I mean, we can have this discussion some other time, but you can't, you don't have Becky if you don't have Charlotte. You, you just, you don't, yeah. Anyway, WrestleMania 33. You know, this shot, I didn't have in my head to go with. I played so I played around with some of the ladder manias, and I realized I needed the tribal chief. And it was funny because watching the ending of WrestleMania 33, we hated Roman so much here, and he's another guy like Cena that now we just love to love to hate to love to love. Um, but you know we can't forget that Roman defeated the Undertaker, and he has the amazing shot where he's wearing his Roman Reigns bulletproof vest center. Uh, and he's like centered in the aisle, and he's 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 just one, and he he puts the shield fist in the air, and he gets the arena pyro after defeating the Undertaker. That's a great shot of the Chief. It's too bad it's not his tribal era, but Roman needs to be on any WrestleMania montages. Then this is where we've got him in WrestleMania 34. I'm using this shot, and I don't give a damn about my reputation. I don't care what it does. Rowdy Ronda Rousey making her Federation or Entertainment debut. She's another important part of this women's division. You can't deny it. Uh, I love the moment where she uh, fights Triple H. And there's a great shot of her with Triple H in the fireman's carry position. And she looks like a fucking world eater pissed off like badass as she's holding him and the camera zooms in on her. That's the shot that I want. Sticky with the women. WrestleMania 35. Even though it happened on Monday morning and really botched the main event because it was so late in the show, how can you not use... And I'm sorry. I love Kofi Mania, okay? But the endearing story of 35 is the WrestleMania main evented by the women's division for the first time, and God damn it, they fucking earned it and brought it, in my opinion. Becky Lynch, the man, the revolution... The marquee attraction, as Bruce Pritchard would say. Standing center ring, holding both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. That would lead us to a very dark time in history. We talked about this at WrestleMania 20. You cannot ignore reality. WrestleMania 36. Sure, I could use cinematic moments, but those would mask the pain. Those would mask the truth. I rewatched the opening to WrestleMania 36, and after the opening video package, there's a shot that lasts only briefly. 
It's a shot of the empty performance center, the ring, and the entrance stage. And that's what I want. Emptiness. But on a more positive note, the very next year, we got back together in a limited capacity, but goddammit, we were on the road to the recovery at WrestleMania 37. And what better way to sum up, I think, how a lot of us felt. Now stay with me here. WrestleMania 37, the second women's main event in WrestleMania history. Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair for, I think, the Raw Women's Championship. No, it was the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And there's a beautiful shot. You know, we've got... There's so much emotion here. We've got the women main eventing WrestleMania again. We've got two women of color main eventing WrestleMania. It cannot be and should not be overlooked or ignored for its historical impact. And just, we're back. We're back together. You know, it's cheesy as fuck, but... Man, the the fucking the lockdowns were some hard times. And Sasha, it, it's kind of a combination shot, but I don't care. I'm breaking the rules or whatever. Like this has to happen. And we'll we'll slow we'll we'll keep the shots to a to a slower time period so we don't take up too much time for 37. But they get a lo- they get a shot of Sasha smiling, then they cut to Bianca with tears in her eyes, and then they sort of do like a hard cam shot and pull out, and the crowd starts to rise and stand and like do a standing ovation before the match has even started. And that really encapsulates WrestleMania 37 to me. It's all of the emotions, the impact, the historical significance, and just the goddammit, we're actually at WrestleMania again in an uncertain age. On the flip side, WrestleMania 38, we were very certain of one thing. Well, 99.9% certain. We were certain that the American Nightmare was going to grace us with his presence. And to cap us off, Cody Rhodes fucking uh, silhouetted by his American Nightmare logo on the giant jumbotron, sort of With his head tilted back, arms outstretched, massive pyrotechnics, the American Nightmare has arrived at WrestleMania 38 in the aisle during his entrance. I thought about the shot of him rising from the stage, and I think that's probably a better, more interesting shot. But I wanted that American Nightmare in there, because I think the American Nightmare branding, not to be silly, is such an important part of his return. Because it's not Cody Rhodes, it's not dashing Cody Rhodes, it's not Stardust. It's the American Nightmare character that he created in the independence that's now the character that's in WWE. And that's an important part of his story. His reclaiming his identity as Cody Rhodes on the independence. Now, the montage is complete. I was thinking about WrestleMania 37... And the, the main event of night one uh, being the Women's Championship, which is absolutely the right call. And it got me thinking about this year's WrestleMania. And we don't have anything for the montage. Of course, it hasn't happened yet. But <sighs> main event team, they're saying that the main event is Charlotte and Rhea Ripley for night one. And while I do like the idea of the women main eventing one night and the men main eventing one night, I also sort of think that the it's weird like i do think that each division deserves an opportunity to main event each night but this year is so unique because 
there's there are more divisions in the WWE than the you know the women's division and the men's division. There's also the women's tag and the men's tag, and those are real things. And while I'm all about you know, giving the women a night to main event and the men a night to main event because God knows the men have had enough nights to main event or enough, you know, they've had X amount of manias where they were the only fucking even consideration for the main event. But the tag team, there have been tag team main events of WrestleMania, I think once, just one, if I think about it. Yeah, probably. But the tag team championship division has never had an opportunity to main event WrestleMania. And if you were ever going to have the time to do it, folks, this is it. Not only is it the unified, undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships, but it's the bloodline and the abs, the oos, the, the fake ooses, you know, Sammy and KO. I don't, they don't have a fun name, but I mean, holy shit. Not to mention the brand synergy if the Usos do lose of WrestleMania Night 1 ending with the bloodline defeated. And their arch nemesis, or, you know, two-thirds of their arch nemesis standing in victory, holding their titles, with Roman looking on in desperation. Is this a sign? Asking his gods, is this my time to lose the WWE Championship to a Cody Rhodes on night two? Talk about brand synergy. So, I don't know. I just, I got nothing to give. If Charlotte and Rhea do it, I got, I you know, I don't have problems. But I do think that you know, narrative should also dictate things in this fake world of, of professional wrestling. And you're not, you know, it's a missed opportunity. The same way that the women were organically in position to main event WrestleMania 5, this might be the only time the tag team championship division is organically in a position to main event a WrestleMania. Um, so do it. <laughs> do it. I don't know. I, I got really no bones in the fight, but. I thought I guess I'd just give you my two cents. But that, as they say, is that. Let's wrap up and recap the montage. And then we'll get out of here. And the rest of us can just go enjoy WrestleMania. And I'm probably not going to, you know, nah, I don't need to tell you what mania it's from. Let's just try to organically live the moment. The WrestleMania opening graphic, live from Madison Square Garden. Ray Charles sings America the Beautiful. Hulk Hogan slams Andre the Giant. The Million Dollar Man makes his entrance to the tournament at WrestleMania 4. Tito Santana errantly strikes his Strike Force partner, and the Strike Force explodes. The Ultimate Warrior explodes into pop culture history, hoisting the belts after the ultimate challenge. The Macho King becomes a man, reunites and hugs with his bride-to-be, Miss Elizabeth. Ric Flair realizes a man claims to be the WWF Champion. Two doinks wonder which one of us is the real doink? Shawn Michaels stuns us all, leaping from a ladder. Diesel summons the powers of Pamela Anderson. Rowdy Piper's stunt double makes us proud, getting hit by a golden car. The golden goose that would become Stone Cold Steve Austin.
bleeds for all of us. Mike Tyson confuses all of us by crotch chopping with his entire upper torso. And the upper torso of the San Diego chicken is revealed to be a beet rose. The bloom is off the rose sometimes on the internet wrestling community, but Triple H nonetheless and his bride Stephanie McMahon walk the aisle with all the gold at WrestleMania 2000. Edge takes his life into his own hands, spearing Jeff Hardy for the business. The business booms before it hits rock bottom when the rock rock bottoms Hollywood Hogan. Vince McMahon becomes the sideshow attraction we knew he always was as he bleeds like a stuck pig and the spawn of Satan at WrestleMania 19. Our hearts break with the hug seen round the world at WrestleMania 20. We run the ladder with Shelton Benjamin. We celebrate with Mick Foley and his barbed wire bat. The president of the goddamn United States spears Vince McMahon. Money Mayweather obliterates the Big Show's jaw. John Cena and his clones make us happy. The Undertaker defends his yard with a jumping tombstone that is awesome as The Miz makes his entrance. Sheamus plants the plucky underdog on his arse with a probe kick. Randy dazzles us with his athletic RKO-based achievements that we can all proudly agree, yes, they're awesome as Daniel Bryan celebrates. Seth Franklin Rollins makes the run into history as Charlotte makes history of her own moonsaulting. Roman defeats the streak again. Rousey makes history with Becky Lynch who solidifies her role in WWE history. Never forget the dark times of emptiness in our own history. But history makes a rebound as Sasha and Bianca bring us to our feet to embrace the American Nightmare. Cody Rhodes. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you.